Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for a hundred in 28 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities. IberiaBank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp, Resource Management LLC, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Surviving in business is often a measure of adapting to change. Uh, few businesses, though, have been forced to change as much as the music business. Record sales pushed by radio play used to be a clear pathway to making millions for artists, record companies, and radio stations. Now, fewer people every year buy recorded music. Even digital download sales are dropping, and radio has to compete with a myriad of choices from Spotify to YouTube. The one bright spot in the music business is live performance. The undisputable world leader in the live music business is Live Nation. A textbook example of vertical integration, Live Nation companies include Ticketmaster, the House of Blues chain, live festivals like Bonnaroo, and more. Reportedly, there's a Live Nation event taking place somewhere on earth every 20 minutes. The chief marketing officer of Live Nation Festivals is New Orleans' own Sig Greenbaum. Sig, welcome out to lunch. Thank you very much for having me. Local boy Kim Stevens knows a thing or two about the record business. As national promotions director and vice president of A&R for Atlantic Records, Kim has been involved in the careers of U2, the Rolling Stones, ACDC, Stevie Nicks, Kid Rock, Matchbox 20, Collective Soul, Vanessa Williams, and many other household names uh, too numerous to list. Today, Today, Kim runs his own artist management and music business company, Forward Entertainment, splitting his time between New Orleans and Nashville. Uh, Kim, welcome to lunch. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Now, Kim, as a music biz veteran, I want you to explain how the market got us to where we are today. Uh, here's a product everybody wants, recorded music. When the internet came along, a kid in his bedroom invented file sharing, Napster, and suddenly everybody started stealing music. Uh, the record companies fought back and won. Uh, iTunes and other platforms were born and sold digital music. Then along came Spotify and other subscription models, and now digital music sales are taking a dive. Uh, each time one of these revolutions has occurred, everybody makes less money. Uh, Spotify is reportedly uh, running at a massive loss. What's the lesson in market forces here, Kim? Now, it's interesting to see the sales like where they've diminished because it it's happened for not like two weeks, a year and a half, whatever. It started a while ago because what saved England's sales at one point, because they were dumping quick over there first before America, it was down. It was the ringtone. That saved their business, believe it or not. That's how they turned their company around. They started selling ringtones. You were buying ringtones. Everybody had a ringtone. So ringtones became a big business. In fact, some of the companies over there hired an A&R person just to do ringtones. Didn't they create charts for ringtones, mm -hmm. right? Totally. Weren't, weren't there charts? Yep. Wow. So that started kick-started their economy again for the record business because it's fluctuated all over. I've been on record business since 1980. 
I've grown around music since I was a kid. To see the sales, how they are and stuff now. When you said earlier about Napster, it's amazing how all the companies like lost their mind over Napster. Isn't that called Spotify? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, in that kind of environment, what would you recommend to a, a you know, a, a new band, for instance? How can you make any money? Get another job. <laughs> can you wait tables? <laughs> can you make you, coffee? Can you say no? We don't have that in a seven and a half D. You know? Oh, oh, uh, whoa. Okay, just a lady six. Would you like <laughs> to supersize that? <laughs> oh, man. Well, Sig, your career is a is a bellwether of the music business. Uh, you started out in music radio, and then you moved to live promotion uh, with Steve uh, Rahaj producing. Uh, Voodoo Fest, then Rayhaj's live entertainment company joined forces with Live Nation, and now here you are, a kid who started out spinning records, uh, marketing the world's biggest live music events. I imagine, like most people, you were initially attracted to the music business because, well, it's music and it's fun, uh, <laughs> but with the kind of stress and hard work that comes at this level of global business uh, you're at, I mean, is it still fun? It's definitely still fun. And you know what's really great is uh, we work for a company that keeps it fun. And that's the best part. Living in New Orleans gets it to always be fun because we always come back home to here. Uh, but these events are remarkable. And what's happening in the music industry with what's happening from the record side and the true music side to what is the music event, when it's not fun and you go stand on the side of a stage and watch the people who have come to a festival and it's a real outing and it's really a moment in their lives, it's in, it really, I mean, and this is going to sound funny, but I, I actually get chills talking about it because you see people come through the, the gate, they've made this journey to get there, and they're so excited. And for the next three days, they're away from their mom and dad, they're away from their kids, they're away from responsibility. This is their experience. They own this. And for the same younger generation that's not buying records and are quote-unquote stealing it, but don't know anything better, this is really a whole new Thing. This is not their parents' thing. This is their thing. They're going into a field with their friends, connecting through social media, staying out late, doing whatever they want. Uh, it's really a, it's a real, it's a real moment in uh, in the music industry and history for these people. Now, there's so many festivals. Is it getting competitive? Festivals have there is a regionalism to them and a and a national draw to them, and the the circles are starting to kind of cross over over and more. Uh, but they're getting bigger than life, and there's all kinds of factors. You know, Jazz Fest has a, a very distinct personality. It's an amazing event, and you know, 40-something years, and they've grown with their audience, and uh, we should all have that type of loyalty to the brand. But, you know, people make a pilgrimage, pilgrimage here for it. Um, with a festival like Essence or Voodoo. It's also Voodoo, people come for Voodoo for Halloween weekend in New Orleans and uh, you know, a, a show that goes till 11 o'clock, not seven o'clock. There's something that happens at night when it gets dark. You know, Lollapalooza in Chicago is a tremendous history and you're a huge city. Uh, Coachella is Coachella. I mean, there's, they all have their own very dynamic personality. And the goal is to know what that is and to expand upon it and deliver people's expectations. Have there been festivals that, uh, after a couple of years, didn't make it and disappeared? If you look every year, there's a ton of festivals that just go away. Uh, there's a lot of one and dones. Um, and sometimes that's not the best call. 
but somebody makes a decision that uh, whoever's producing it, whether it's just a local guy doing it on himself and on a shoestring and ends up with no money and no wife at the end of it, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. that happens. It's an incredibly sad <laughs> story. <laughs> thing. It's a... interesting because like that, everybody wants, oh, they see the festival, it's already done, it's already up, it's already <laughs> running. They go, I should do one of these. Yeah. <laughs> just like in the record business, they go, I should start a record company. Definitely. Because there's should. so many that do that just all of a sudden go, okay, that's all we had. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of work. And um, a lot, you know, they come and go and... Economically, nobody's really prepared for how much money you're going to really spend, especially when you get down that last 10 days. And, uh, you know, it's all hitting the fan at once, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's a, it's a dynamic business. And right now, what's happening in festivals is really, it is the music industry. And, and uh, Kim, what is it? Uh, you, you've found a lot of talent. I mean, I see a lot of bands. They seem great to me. How, how do you know what's going to make it? I think a lot of it starts with the song. So when I go see an artist, I don't look at a visual yet. I'm listening to audio. I'm listening to see, okay, who's going to play this song? Like if he would have been programming still, right. if I sign this band, can I get it played on his station, Grant, when I went on radio? Would they play this? So I found several things early that really were radio more driven because I came from a radio background as a PD. And I worked here in New Orleans for years at WTIX and NOE. Granted, I'm working for a major record company. I find a piece of talent. I want to get it to, like, to be the priority of the company. I'm probably number 18 on the list, okay? So it got to be where I just said, bring them to the South and let's watch it explode at radio and thank God it worked that way. There's one area with, uh, in addition to live music where you hear the still money, writing. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that still? I deal with a lot of people that write myself because yep. I live in Nashville. Nashville is a city of writers. You're visiting Nashville. Yes, I am. Yes, that's I visit right. Nashville every two to three weeks. <laughs> For about two to three weeks. <laughs> you know, um, and with the fact that uh, being in that market, there's just, everybody's a songwriter. I don't know, you've seen Nashville, it's all about songwriting. Right, and right. Cab drivers yeah. have songs. It's so. funny. I was in, speaking one time, cab driver picked me up in Nashville. He goes, you ever been here? It was a conference. I said, yeah. He said, well, then you're going to realize a lot of people don't know how to play their instruments and can't sing too well. <laughs> <laughs> but here's my CD. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Things you that got a car. The truck. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You got a car? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, uh, Sig, I got to ask you, how, your big expense is the bands, I would imagine. Is that right? It's or one of them, yeah. One of the, what are <laughs> yeah. the other big ones? You've get, you uh, pay for the... Stages, production. You know, when you, when you talk about, like, voodoo here in New Orleans, there's no fences at City Park. So we have to fence in for a temporary period of time, you know, three weeks, a very large oh, yeah. patch of land, something like 60 acres. Um, you know, you pay for that by the linear foot, and um, you don't own it at the end. So things like that. There's uh, security. There's uh, everything that goes along with the bands. And there's a there's a lot of moving targets that you have to. And you have to lease that land, for instance, at City Park. We, we pay City Park to be there. We've got a great relationship with them, and they're uh, an amazing site. And what's going on at City Park is incredible. Oh, yeah. With, with the future is there is. Absolutely. How about in terms of genres for music, though? Do you do you go kind of across the board? I have a little bit of everything. Uh, I used to sign a lot of rock bands first, and then I started signing pop things, singer-songwriter things. Uh, right now I'm involved in an indie band called The Moxies, and then I have a Christian band that I just found that's called Dave's Highway. They've got already 9 million views on YouTube. Wow. Um, yeah, they're sibling group. Amazing harmony. Uh, the Moxies are like, a, to me, a modern-day Rolling Stones with a 50s guitar tone meets the Arctic Monkeys. 
Wow. Which is a bad you know. Yeah. Really, really yeah, the solid monkeys didn't band. play their own instruments, but I mean, that, there's, there's some other problems. <laughs> but Arctic Monkeys right now seems to be the big rock band that most people have keyed on. They're, yep. they're out of Europe. And, uh, we had them headline Voodoo last year. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those funny things, and this is where the music industry is so crazy, is there was a whole generation of people like, who are these Arctic Monkeys and why are they headlining Voodoo? <laughs> and meanwhile, there was this other huge audience that was like, oh my God, they've got the Arctic Monkeys and they're headlining Voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the, that's where we are now. Right. You know, it's it's just there's people who have never heard of the biggest bands yeah. on the planet, and, and that's not the way it was. Fifty years ago, yeah. Which is interesting. The paper the other morning, Quint Davis made the comment of, "I was so surprised to see the young kids were at the festival. I didn't know they were that much in the Ted Sheridan. Where you been? The guy had like six number ones on. Where you been?" Now we're gonna we're gonna check the inbox, and that's uh, where our producer uh, picks a question that's come in from a listener over the past week. Uh, Grant, what have you got? Uh, Peter, we have a couple of questions here. This one uh, is for you, Kim, from Alfred Rody Blossman III, who asks: There was a switch from vinyl to CD, then to digital downloads. Now we're seeing a return to vinyl. Is that a trend that record companies see as one that will continue? I think they hope so. I think they're looking for any way they can sell any kind of product whatsoever, and if it's vinyl, so be it. I mean, right now, CDs, I have, you can't get anything for CDs, you, you know, people try and sell their CDs off. I have 3,000 CDs, and it is my personal catalog. And people go, why do you still have them? Did you know the third engineer on that record was so-and-so? See, I'm into that. I want to know all that knowledge. And people go, well, you get that on the computer. No, what's only in the computer is what's been put in the computer. Sometimes not all this is put into the computer. I'm really a person who wants to know in-depthness. I have still probably 700 pieces of vinyl, and I play them all the time. And I would rather listen to vinyl, and I think the resurgence of it is cool. And I think with the fact that um, people are really starting to gravitate, the only complaint they have is how high it is, but they don't make so much of it. That way the price will not come down to where you pay 10 bucks. You know, It's going to be like you pay 26 bucks because they made a few thousand. Even though vinyl is starting to happen, it's not manufactured as fast as they would like because the gentleman that worked for Third Man Records, he was saying the same thing. He goes, we're six months behind. We order a lot, but it's just that the presses can't keep up because there's only so many of them because people got out of the business. Oh, sure. Now it started again. So how many people are actually going to get back into the yeah. business, you know? So, but any, any way we can sell a record is fine with us. I mean, and you were saying earlier about concerts and stuff. That's where people make money. Yeah. You make money on three things. What you're branded to, what you're publishing, and what you're touring. That's how you make money as an act. When people say, well, record companies don't make as much money. Not as much as they used to. It didn't say the value went away. It's just you got to think of how to get it out of somebody now because it has changed. So, you, But people still have money to spend on entertainment. Oh, yeah. yeah. You guys should sell $10 bottles of water. That's what we do. <laughs> you know, I think with every purchase of a record, you get a bottle. There you go, Sig, here's a question for you that is extremely short but interesting. From John P. Nicholson, he asks, what's the future of radio? <laughs> what's the future of radio? Uh, I think this is the future of radio, actually. I think um, the fact that shows like this exist, uh, people creating podcasts and a more intimate uh, on-demand style. I think that's truly the future. Now, in a romantic sense, I also think that there is an opportunity right now to get into traditional broadcasting because there's all these towers out there. Big companies bought them. They're going to have to get rid of them. They're, they're not making any money or there's an opportunity for partnerships. 
and there's still nothing like uh, driving down the road, listening to your local radio station, a jock who is hopefully picking music, but you recognize their voice. They're living the same experience that you are. They're in town here? They're in town. Yeah, yeah. That intimacy, I think, is, is, I'd love to see that be the future. But this right here is clearly part of it. Well, and, and some people talk about how what, radio was taken over by kind of corporate radio, yeah, right? It's, it's, it's uh, conglomerates. It's, you know, a handful of companies are doing it all. But that's the world we live in also. So that's not... In 1991, that was a different story. That was when, uh, when corporate radio started happening. And the three... Play. The started playing as a monopoly game. Yeah, I mean, you know, totally. I... I um, when I moved to New Orleans uh, to work for 106.7 The End, we had in the building 106.7 The End, Mix 104 whatever, which was a, a top 40 type radio station, and WNOE, which was the country station. When I got here, we had uh, uh, an, an overnight guy, a, a live local morning show, a midday person, an afternoon person, and a night person on all three stations. When I left radio, we had a, some of the stations didn't have a local morning show. We did. Uh, part of the morning show did the midday show. The production guy did the afternoon show, and there was nobody doing nights or overnights. Wow. At every station. So it changed, you know, and it just changed. <laughs> kind of crazy. I'm glad you, you actually found the sweet spot. I may have. That's we'll see. <laughs> uh, Kim Sig, I want to take a minute to introduce you to Lauren Rugis. Now, we met Lauren through Propeller, a nonprofit organization that helps launch local social and environmental entrepreneurial ventures. Uh, Lauren's entrepreneurial venture is called Community Plates. I'm going to give Lauren one minute to tell you about it, and then I'm going to give you each a chance to ask Lauren one question, a question that you think she'll need to be able to answer in order to move uh, this business forward. Uh, Lauren, give us your 60-second pitch. 40% of, of food in America is wasted every year. Hunger in the U.S. makes no sense. It makes even less sense here in New Orleans. Community Plates as a nonprofit is committed to ending hunger in New Orleans through two things, volunteers and a smartphone app. Our app, Go Rescue, provides logistically coordinated opportunities for volunteers to pick up food from where it might be wasted, restaurants, markets, schools, and the like, and drop it off to the New Orleans Mission, Covenant House, Eden House, and many more organizations. Actually, since November, we've moved 9,500 meals to these organizations. And to give you an idea of what that looks like, that is 6,300 pounds of fresh and nutritious food redirected from landfills and going to people who need it the most. Um, again, hunger in New Orleans <laughs> makes no sense. Uh, but it's not a problem of lack of supply. It's lack of logistics, volunteers, and technology. Community Plates is here to deliver. What do you think? I have a question. Um, who funds your company? So right now we're funded through lots of fun nonprofit fundraising <laughs> organizations. Uh, you don't have we, to tell me who, but I mean, no, it's, it's okay. Uh, we find fundraising opportunities through actually our community that we mm -hmm. use. We have a year uh, actual annual event uh, called the Food for All as well. That is great funding. Mark. And we also use it as a platform to talk about food insecurity as well mm -hmm. here here in New Orleans. So my question for you is this: This obvious. This sounds obvious. Like done, sold, sign it up. Mm -hmm. Huge international success. What's the biggest hurdle? 
The biggest hurdle, of course, is you know maintaining that community with volunteer retention. Of course, going down the line as we spread out, we want to make sure that the people we keep involved are engaged and are running food. Again, the supply is there. We just want to keep making sure that all the runs are filled, that we're getting food to the people, to these organizations. And on top of that, making sure that these organizations, as well as our food donors, because you know we want to make sure that the quality of the food is edible, <laughs> it's in that edible rank, making sure every part of our model is accountable for what we do. Lauren, thanks so much for coming by today. We'll look forward to following your progress with Community Plates. We're going to stick around a little bit longer after the show and talk some more about Community Plates. You'll be able to hear the rest of that conversation with Lauren on our website, itsneworleans.com. Sig Greenbaum, Kim Stevens, in New Orleans, music is a significant part of all our lives, but other than paying to get into a gig, the music business is something most of us know little about. Thanks to you guys, it's less of a mystery than it was 30 minutes ago. Uh, thank you so much for joining me and taking the time to come on out to lunch. Thank you for having me. Thank, thank you, you, man. It's also weird to hear my last name. My mom doesn't even use it. Really? There's a... <laughs> I didn't even know you had one. I know. My business card literally just says SIG. Just says SIG. It, it says SIG. It says SIG. <laughs> it's a very work you call it. Hey, SIG, there you hold on. <laughs> it's a very formal show. They, uh... Thank you, Mr. Greenbaum. There's uh, the, uh, my guests and out to lunch today have been Kim Stevens, president of Ford Entertainment, and Mr. Sig Greenbaum, uh, chief marketing officer for Live Nation Festivals. You can find out more about Kim's artists and Sig's events by following the links on our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle. Blues aficionado Jennifer Smith is our researcher. And speaking of music, Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsneworleans.com and wwno.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and wwno 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. And from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients. For 128 years, Iberia Bank has served Louisiana clients, now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities. IberiaBank.com Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp, Resource Management, LLC, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments.